Hello, welcome to Pep Talks, People Empowering People, where we interview everyday people who tell their not-so-everyday stories of resiliency. We hope their stories help empower you during your journey. Pep Talks is brought to you by Mind Over Matter Books, books that teach children resiliency skills. Mind Over Matter Books can be found at mindovermatterbooks.com. With me today is Jennifer Hangsteller, a special ed teacher and single mother of two teenagers, age 17 and 18. Jen is also a widow of nearly 18 years. Yes, Jen was actually suddenly widowed as a mother of a six-month-old a day after finding out she was pregnant with her daughter, Grace. Today, we're going to hear this story of strength and courage and faith from my friend, Jen Hengsteller. Welcome, Jen. Hi, Case. Thanks for having me. I appreciate you being on uh, and being willing to share your story. Uh, Jen and I worked together in the Brooklyn City Schools back in the 90s and have stayed connected uh, since I had left Brooklyn City Schools, but she was actually married to a wonderful teacher there, John Hinksteller, who taught our industrial program. And her story has stayed with me all these years, um, and she has just been a beacon, a beacon of resiliency. So, Jen, let's talk about, let's just go right there to that time that you just had the six-month-old Alec, and you just found out you were pregnant with another child. And this is uh, June 13th. You found out you were pregnant with Grace. Talk to me about that time right there and then and how John and you and baby Alec were doing. Sure. So John had actually contracted a rare blood disease uh, exactly two weeks prior to the day that he passed away. And when he was discharged from the ICU and the cardiologist said, everything's fine. We're not sure what happened, but he looks good. Those two weeks were very telling two weeks of the blood disease called TTP, but it was gone undiagnosed. And so those two weeks prior were, it was the end of the school year with both of us being teachers He was the baseball coach, so it was a very busy time for him wrapping up the baseball season and, you know, taking care of a six-month-old baby. So it was a hectic time, um, but he was struggling with some of the effects of this blood disease, some low-grade temperatures and some um, petechia rash on his legs and grayish and skin tone and... and, um, Yet, you know, we kept questioning the doctor that something wasn't right. And two days before he passed away, he went to the cardiologist and we told the cardiologist of all of this. And the cardiologist gave him a clean bill of health and said, maybe it was the 
blood thinners that he had been on for the two weeks prior, and um, which ex- actually exasperated the blood disease that he had. But um, two days later, he at two in the morning started seizing, and on a Friday, June fourteenth, at two in the morning, we rushed him to the hospital and. He was at Parma Hospital for pretty much most of the morning where they were all making, wearing masks and kind of felt like, like it is nowadays with the COVID-19, but they, they were, they were fearful that it was some sort of infectious disease. And, um, of course, nobody knew that I was pregnant, but me. And so I was very worried and little while later, they ended up life flighting him to Metro Hospital, and there, several hours later, it seemed like, seemed like forever, they finally diagnosed him with this, this blood disease, and we were waiting for a machine that was being used currently to recycle his blood, and by 9 o'clock that night, he had passed away. So literally, the rug was swept out. I mean, Thursday, I went to the doctor to find out I was officially pregnant with my daughter, Grace. He was in bed with what we thought might be the flu or something. And Friday morning, the rug was swept out beneath me. And I was like up in the air looking down onto somebody else's life, not knowing what the heck had just happened. I will never, ever forget this this time that you went through uh, your story is one that to this day brings me chills. I will never forget the funeral, the wakes, the burial. All of this time was so traumatic. And and to boot, this was on your birthday. So now for 18 years, your birthday celebration is the anniversary of losing your husband. And And mm-hmm. so here you are. You're pregnant which is a very stressful time anyways and hormonal time and you just have a 6 month old baby do you remember like that next couple months or that that year what do you remember from it if you do well sadly so much of it was is a blur um i I um I feel like God does that for a reason to help us cope and to get through a very traumatic time in our life. Yet he also placed so many angels in my path that have really been essential in getting me and my two children through this traumatic time for so many years. Um, my sister came into town immediately and stayed with me for two straight weeks and I wasn't answering the telephone. I wasn't watching television. I wasn't going anywhere. I was in just, just such a deep state of grief and shock, but God continued to to give me signs and show me that he was there with me, carrying me through it. Even though at the time, Casey, I didn't know it was God. I, I wasn't in my faith walk anywhere where I have gone now since his death. And 
it, it's just, it's unbelievable how God has walked me through that trial and many more since then. But I've had many people, including yourself, that I do remember who were there in such huge ways. And I would just love to share that story with everyone, if you don't mind. Sure. So it was Christmas, the first Christmas, six months later. I'm uh, nine months pregnant. My daughter's due the beginning of January. I have a son that just turned a year old. I'm grieving horribly, not wanting to even think about Christmas. And I get a call from a stranger telling me that he would like to send a Christmas tree over to my house, but he doesn't want to tell me who he is. And you can imagine I was a little um, worrisome about being on my own, living alone with a baby and pregnant and, and didn't want this stranger to come to my house. And so long story short, he had to tell who he was. And who was he, Casey, your brother-in-law at the time? My brother-in-law, Jeff Kaufman. Yes. Yeah. And um, found out that you had taken up a collection with your family to give um, to me and my family a tabletop Christmas tree decorated with uh, well over $1,000 worth of gift cards, very essential gift cards to things like Tops, which was the grocery store at the time, and Toys R Us, which is still, that's no longer here, but Target is. Um, and even a, a gift card for massage and money for a babysitter. And I just felt like I should have been on Oprah. That, that was such an amazing moment that led me to believe that God is putting people in my path that are going to help take care of us. And um, that pay it forward from you and your family was something that I have continually done through the years to other people who have lost a spouse. And since then, we have coined that as our daddy tree, and it has gone up every year with ornaments that I've purchased each year, a new one for the tree, um, in memory of their dad. So it's been a wonderful, um, wonderful tribute to him. There have been so many wonderful tributes, the football team, the baseball team from school. He was coaches for both of those sports. Um, came through and uh, the football team in particular came through and built a, we call our daddy pond in our backyard, which is our memorial garden in honor of John. And they had gotten wind that he had died on my birthday and that was supposed to be my birthday present from him. We already had all of the materials to make it. And next thing I know, they came over and dug up the pond and built the pond for us. And to this day, we still have that pond in our backyard. Now that just brought me chills and tears. I did not know that piece. And mm-hmm. I, do, I do remember, I remember the team of athletes in their uniform at the wake and all these strong students that I had that were such cool together leader kids were all like crumbled to their knees, bawling incessantly. And actually, I'm getting a little choked up right now. Um, when John passed away, uh, I remember that. Of all the wakes and funerals I've ever been to, this is one that has resonated with me and stayed with me all of my life. And and I have to say that your a tree, that giving tree, actually ended up coming back to me, which I never thought it would boomerang back to me. Uh, when I lost my husband, there was a ding dong at my front door, and two beautifully 
uh, pre-lit trees that come out every year. And I put them on each side of my door and with a little heart um, ornament. And that's the only ornament that goes on the tree. And it says Craig's uh, birth and death date. And that was very special. So I had no idea that what my family did for you was going to come back. You know, I, I, I think we had said that we, um, we didn't want to be in the widow club and certainly didn't want to be the president of the widow club. Yeah. I was like helping widow widows and widowers, but did not want to be a member of that club. But um, when I was, you were right there for me. So it, it's amazing how people come through in your lives and lift you and then that pay it forward that now you've done for so many people who have lost their loved ones. That's beautiful. Well, Casey, I I truly believe through all of my experiences that that God allows us to walk through such times of trial because he's shaping and molding us into who he has designed us to be and to then move forward and help others who are going through a similar walk because there is... No other greater testimony than to share something that you've gone through that somebody else is going through. And you've got a a very active audience who's willing to listen to you when they know you've walked in their footsteps. Absolutely. And you have been a beacon of resiliency for so many other widows and widowers. Uh, And none of it is ever easy, no matter how old you are, how long you've been married, how old your children are. But in my experience, I, I feel like you really had the toughest circumstance. You have a six month old baby and just finding out the day before that you're pregnant with baby number two and your husband dies on your birthday and you work together. So eventually you have to go back to that place of work where you met him and always be reminded of that classroom and those kids. And, and, you know, you, you don't ever get away from, from that piece, which can be good, but can be certainly uh, emotional too. Yeah, it, it was, it was both, but I also had such a strong uh, network there at work for me. And when I went to work, uh, outside of going down the hallway where his classroom was, it was my only state of normalcy where my life hadn't changed. Work was still work. Granted, he wasn't there, but I didn't typically see much of him during the school day anyhow. So, but my work family was incredible and they really truly were the ones who were there for me outside of a a very few small Member, family members, these work people, you know, after my daughter was born, I finally gave up and said, I can't do this on my own. Although I tried and I knew I couldn't. I was, you know, I was dealing with six months of grief. I was dealing with postpartum hormones. I was dealing with a newborn and a one-year-old in the middle of winter in January. And I, I couldn't do it. And they all just decided to schedule a calendar and every day after school there was a knock at the door and there was somebody there for me whether it was to come help wash bottles or to leave me so that I could go to the store without having to take two babies both in you know car seats um, but it, it just another sign that that God 
really brought to me people in my path to, to share and be his hands and feet here on earth. More chills, more tears from me. I get a, <laughs> that is beautiful. And I, I remember, I mean, it's such amazing staff. I worked with them in the 90s. Um, some of the same people that you were lifted by. I know your, your friend Debbie really came to the rescue. Her husband and she were really there for you as well. I remember hearing stories of that. The fact that and they made still us, are. And they still they are, are Aunt Deb and Uncle Jim. Oh, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. And they and the fact that they made a schedule to come to you right after school to help. I mean, you're exhausted. Any teacher knows that they're exhausted after nine hours of work, working with 30 kids, you know, every hour. Um, and then coming home to your own kids and you in particular coming home to two babies. My gosh, that's just stressful in itself. But to be coming home to what feels like almost an empty house without your husband. What an emotional and difficult time that you went through. And thank goodness for all these people that lifted you. Kudos to Brooklyn teachers and staff. That was amazing. And, and so um, did things, when did you go back to work? Like how long after you had Grace did you go back to work? So I had Grace on January 11th, and um, my Brooklyn staff was so good that they actually gave me enough uh, sick leave from the sick leave bank to take me all the way through the rest of that school year. So I was able to stay home and still get paid uh, through June. Well, oh my yeah. gosh. Wow. So that another, is huge. Another blessing because I had used all my sick time up when I had Alec just six months prior and we were not expecting for me to go back to work at that point any longer. But uh, I quickly knew that I had to because I had no longer had health insurance. John was the carrier of that and I had a pre-existing condition. And so I decided that I needed to go back to work in August. So I went back to work on a part-time basis. The wonderful principal, Ms. Derethek, somehow okay. arranged for, for me to come back on a part-time basis. And um, I had actually been part-time until just this past school year. I went back full-time for the first time in 18 years. Wow. Oh, my gosh. How wonderful that you were able to work part-time and get the benefits you needed so that you mm -hmm. could take care of these children and yourself. That is, again, people going above and beyond. And that that's totally Gretchen Derethek. I mean, she was just an amazing, she is an amazing uh, human being that is always there to reach out and help others. And that's, mm -hmm. that's huge. And for you to be able mm -hmm. to do that for like 16 years or so part-time, uh, roughly, and now right. you just went back full time this year as your kids were a junior and a senior in high school. Oh my gosh, I, and so uh, that's time flies because it certainly seems like such a short time ago. So now you've gone back to work, and just two years later, after John's death, you're hit with more, more loss, more adversity with your mom. Yes. So my mom had always been very physically ill. Um, 
ultimately the, the underlining diagnosis of rheumatoid arthritis, but she had other issues, and I don't know if they were a result of the, of the RA. She had a lot of breathing issues. Um, her last two years of life were on oxygen 24-7, so she was constantly attached to a cord, to a machine. She wasn't much help physically with my situation and my children. She could hold the babies if she were sitting and propped up and I would give her the baby, but she just didn't really have much strength. She had so many multiple, every joint was majorly replaced, total reconstruction of her feet. It was a very bad disease, very debilitating. And it just got to the point where she could do nothing. I mean, she couldn't even just do the basic necessity of breathing on her own. And I just, I was relieved to see her finally pass and be called home to be with our Lord. But selfishly, I didn't want to see her go. And that that was a struggle, but it was more of a struggle to see her suffer every day trying to live here on earth. Absolutely. You never, that's just not a quality of life. You just don't want to see anybody, especially your loved one, your parent, going through such pain and and ultimately just like you said attached to this cord just for breathing having gone through so many surgeries and, and so much pain nobody wants that but here i mean your mom and john were your two biggest supporters those were your mm. two besties and within mm-hmm. 2 years you lost <clears throat> you lost both of them and this is where yes. i just find you to be such a beacon of strength uh, and I know faith is important to you and, and the key to your strength. Can you tell me more about what what helped you? You have your faith. You have your friends. What what else did you rely on to get through these tough times and to help you to take care of you and rebuild yourself? Well, gosh, Casey, you know, it, it literally was just just get me through this day. Just get me, just, I couldn't look at the big picture. It's still hard for me to look too far ahead into the future, which which I do feel is a good thing to just live for today because we have no idea what the future holds. And gosh, back then it was just get me through the next hour because it was, it was very exhausting. It was, it was living a life of working and getting very little sleep because I would get one baby down and then the other baby would wake up and then I'd get that one down and the other baby would wake up. And so it was, it was definitely a struggle. Um, but I, and I can say this now, it wasn't, I of course wasn't that strong and positive when I was going through it, but looking back, it was the perspective. It's all about your perspective. And I remember driving home from school one day and I saw this person frequently motorizing up and down the sidewalk in Brooklyn. And I don't know, I think they were just a paraplegic. And I remember even going through everything that I was going through thinking, well, gosh, at least I can walk. And I just felt like there's always someone worse off than us. And if you have the perspective of woe is me and poor me, you're never going to get yourself out of where you're at and move ahead. But if you look at the perspective of there's always someone worse off than me, and I always tried to keep my perspective in, in that. 
And um, I tried to show gratitude as much as I could to everyone that was there for me. Every year on June 14th, uh, it was a difficult day. I had not celebrated my birthday um, for actually seven years until I turned 40. And um, instead, I would have what was called my blessings bash. And I would invite all of those who were so solidly there for me for the year, helping me through with the kids and anything that I needed help with over for the day. And I would provide food and we'd just sit around and I'd enjoy their company and just a way for me to show my gratitude to them. Because really in all of this, Casey, I know you know this so well, giving thanks even in difficult times is what pulls you through. And that, that was important for me. Amen. Yes, I, I completely agree. That, gratit- that gratitude that you give, it just feels like when you open your day with being grateful, thanking God for all that you have, somehow you're able to see the light, the little things like the ability to breathe on our own. We don't know how great a gift that is until you see somebody like your mother who didn't have that gift. And you just start to count your blessings like seeing somebody that's not able to walk. And these little things lift you each day. As much as we could sit back and not want to get out of bed and say, I lost my husband, I lost my mom, I'm here with these two babies, and I feel so alone and have this victim mentality, instead you chose gratitude and having a positive perspective. And that's key to getting through troubled times, getting through life in general. Mm-hmm. No matter what we're going through, it's important to keep that perspective. And we can be our worst enemies or our biggest cheerleaders. And it sounds like you not only had this great support from others, but you developed kind of own self-celebration too. That you, and It took a couple of years, understandably so, but finally you, know, you were able to bring people together to celebrate life on your birthday. And I'm glad that you were finally able to do that. And that's wonderful. I know I went to your 50th and was grateful to to see you and see so much support. We had that whole patio taken up with people that were celebrating you, Jen, in your life, because you really are a heroine to so many. Uh, just the difficulty, the time, timing. You were so young. I mean, you were in your young 30s as a widower, widow. Um, and you know, that's not natural. It's not natural to be a widow at such a young age. And it's not natural for little kids, little babies to not have their, their father, um, lose their father before the little grace didn't even get to meet him. Hmm. So no, but those babies were, were also what got me through. I had no choice to, but to get out of bed every day and to take care of those babies. And I wanted to do it to glorify their dad and to, you know, and to do it to the best of my abilities. And was I the perfect mom? Nobody's perfect, but I sure did try my hardest to give them everything that I could give them. And, you know, I still do. And they're great kids. And I've had a lot of people come alongside me to help raise them. And I'm so grateful for that as well. Oh, that's wonderful. That is, we're so blessed. It's amazing how people come out of the woodwork too. Like some people that just come to help and you're like, I had no idea that I I had, I didn't have this connection with this person prior to this. And this person came out of the woodwork 
and has been there for me. Like it, it's just amazing to see people rise to occasions and 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 make that connection with you. I I just love it. Yeah. I, and it's great. actually sometimes it's from the people that you'd least expect it from, and not necessarily the people that you would think that would be there for you. So right. I completely get that and uh, experience that myself. And it's amazing because I have like new lifelong friends from the passing of Craig and had Craig not passed, I would not have had these people so close in my life. So, you know, the perspective of having gained, we lost amazing husbands, but we gained some amazing friends uh, and always looking for the, the perspective and the gratitude, thankful for these amazing people that came into your life. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, Jen, here you are. Now you're you're working part-time. You're getting your kids through school and, of course, getting all those children with special needs through school. And finally, you're like, man, maybe it's time to start dating. Blah. <laughs> <laughs> awful experience for me. I don't know about you, but um, no. um, tell me how that came about and, and that experience and, and where you are now with all that. Well, gosh, the first experience was uh, just around a year or so after he had passed and the neighbor tried to fix me up with the man that was installing the security system in my home. And um, I tried, and we went out to to lunch at Applebee's, and I left there and went right to the to the uh, cemetery and cried. And I knew I wasn't ready. And a year later, he called me back and said, "How about now?" And we tried again, and things were going smoothly. And at that point, um, ironically, I found out. Long story short, that he was actually married, oh and God. that really lost my hope in dating. I was very, another traumatic, you know, moment. How could somebody take advantage of, of me? I, you know, here I am nursing my baby while he's getting ice cream at the ice cream store with my, my, you know, one-year-old and, uh, or two-year-old. And just, I I just didn't know how. So the dating scene was, uh, a real hit or miss. It, it got to the point where I just, I was lonely and I wanted someone, but I was really just searching for what I had lost. And um, years later, I had I had met a neighbor from down the street who um, showed much kindness to me and to my children at the time he was married. And um, he he started to show a lot of kindness, like offering to make us dinner. And, um, and I I questioned it, but he tried to convince me that it was just, he, you know, wanted to reach out to me and let me know that people were there for me. And one thing led to another. And he told me he was divorcing his wife and gave me all the reasons why. And, um, I was very trusting. I was very believe, you know, believing of him. And long story short, we ended up getting married eight years later. And before we even celebrated our one year anniversary, he he just didn't come home one night. Things were not good. I was finding that he kept losing jobs. He was a, a much bigger drinker than I had known. 
until we started living together after we got married and he couldn't hide it. And he just, it was sad. He, he was wanting the bachelor life and wanting the married life all in one pie. And he just couldn't have it. And, um, decided that this wasn't all that he thought it was cracked up to be and decided to walk away from it. So more grief, more grief for you. That was, that was definitely a loss. Um, it, it, it was definitely a, a much different loss than losing someone to death. It was, uh, more difficult to, to lose someone who just walked out of your life. You know, with John, I knew that that wasn't his choice. It was just God's timing on him going home to be with the Lord. But this was Greg's choice. And um, again, I feel like God gives us experiences and helps us get through experiences so that we could be there to help others. And in my divorce care class, I was there to help other people and say, listen, this is this is a struggle. This is much more difficult to grieve this loss than it is to grieve a loss of someone to death. And uh, I aspire to be one day, therefore, women, children, I'm not sure which, um, and and to counsel them who are grieving a loss of some sort of another, because I can relate very easily. You would be amazing as a counselor. I know you and I spoke about, about that uh, journey. You would definitely be amazing. Your experiences of loss, of uh, losing between your mother and your husband, raising children alone, um, the financial situation you went through with both losses, the um, I'm sure just everything that you went through would benefit others because it ties in with so much of loss. Grief is in so many parts of people's lives, not just death, not just divorce, but just, you know, people having to change homes because of a situation, financial situation. They grieve that. People grieve when their kids go off to college. People, you know, grieve separations. There's a lot of grief out there and it doesn't have to be necessarily losing a person, but you seem to be um, an expert at this point, having lost suddenly your husband, um, your mother to a long-term illness, and your second husband just walking out. And these are all different faceted losses that your your experience and the tools you gained can be so mm-hmm. precious to others. Um, so, I, you know, yeah, we get through. I, I kind of always say that I was given this life to, and all this advas- adversity to be able to help others with their adversity. And you share that same tune of just taking these experiences and reaching out to help others with theirs. Well, I mean, I think, you know, I have the attitude now that with adversity is just opportunity. And, you know, we're like a clay pot from our, our, you know, Lord is our, he's the potter, he's the master potter, and he has created us. And every time we have one of those adversities or struggles or trials, it's like a crack in our pot. And I believe that the Holy Spirit lives inside me. And when you have a a cracked pot, then that provides the opportunity for that Holy Spirit to shine to others around who are going through something similar, perhaps. Oh, I like that analogy. I like that crack pot analogy. And yes, um, and I always 
use the same kind of lingo you said with adversity as opportunity. And I like to make opportunity out of obstacles. You know, mm-hmm. two different O words you can choose right now. We can be choosing dur- during this quarantine, this virus. We can choose this to be a real obstacle, which it is. It's a hitting everybody financially, emotionally, mentally, physically, or we can try to make opportunities out of it, which is exactly what you're doing right now, taking this time to share your story during the world's lowest time that in history. Then you're reaching out, sharing some real difficult times, some real hardships with the rest of the world just to help uplift them. And you're just a beacon of strength and you, you know, you are a servant of God, I'm sure, by sharing your story and taking what is experience you've experienced. And instead of living with anger and resentment, your uh, look into this, your perspective is, you know, I'm going to make some opportunities out of this to help others. Jen, I know that you're going to continue to inspire other people. And I, I hope that you continue to take you take care of yourself. Can you tell us what are some things you're doing to keep yourself healthy? Hmm. Well, my number one uh, most important piece that I do is that I make time every morning for my quiet time with my maker. I, I make it a point. I, I got this little tidbit of n- nugget from our pastor's wife, Mary Schaefer, who said, I make sure that I look to some piece of God's word before I look and read anything else for that day, before I look at my phone, before I look at a text message, before I do anything. I have my prayer chair. I sit down with my cup of coffee. During the school year, I wake myself up at 4.45, so I have the time to do it. And I have that quiet time before I start my day with the Lord. And honestly, that that is what gets me through the day. And I look forward to that time. It's not always been easy. I haven't I have to admit, I've never had that opportunity when the kids were smaller. I would just try to take little little parts of my day when maybe I'm driving in the car or pushing them on a swing set or something to just, you know, praise God. But that is my number one most important, important time of the day. And I'll tell you, it's amazing how he speaks to me when I save time to be quiet and listen. That is beautiful. That quiet time in the morning is so important. It helps us to be mindful the rest of the day, grounds us for the day. I do a very similar practice. I just, you know, come to my mat in the morning and I'm just quiet my mind. I thank God for everything I've been given. I mean, just the air I can breathe, the roof over my head, those little, little pieces that aren't so little, uh, that mm-hmm. gratitude piece is so important. And you notice a difference. If you don't do that, for some reason, you get up and for whatever reason, don't do that. Boy, what a difference in a day it makes. Oh, for sure. Gotta, Absolutely. Got to take time for you before you can take take time for others. And, and your mindfulness and your need to be present and there for others is really important because you teach children with special needs. Mm-hmm. So they benefit from your quiet chair and your quiet room and your quiet quiet time. So I'm glad that you take that time for you because it's so important to take care of yourself mm-hmm. before you can ever expect to take care of others. Mm-hmm. And, and right. speaking of the others, can you give us a little update on 
Alec and Grace? They're doing well. They're doing very well. Um, my son is getting ready to graduate. Hopefully, he'll have a commencement. Right. Um, and moving forward to studying biomedical engineering at the University of Cincinnati. Wow. And my my daughter will uh, is finishing up her junior year, so she will become a senior next year. And her aspiration is to, as an animal lover, is to become a veterinarian one day. So oh, beautiful! They are they are very strong, um, amazing children. It's it's brings me much glory to see them when they reach out to other people in times of need, and um, I know that that. I'm a model of that, and all of the people that have been put in their paths have modeled that to them as well. And I couldn't be more proud of them when I see moments like that. And I always say, you know, the hardest pill for me to swallow was it, it was okay for me, not okay. It was manageable for me to understand me losing my spouse. But the pill for me to swallow was them losing their father and he had waited his whole life to be a dad and he would have been the most amazing dad. He was such a paternal guy and yet he was taken from our lives and I had a hard time understanding that. But in looking back, I realize I don't know that they would ever come to have known their heavenly father if they wouldn't have lost their earthly father. Wow. Wow. That's, that's deep. That's and they, they remind me of that as well. The walk that I took from that point forward would have would not have been the walk that I took since he passed away. Wow. That's beautiful. They would not have met their heavenly father if they hadn't lost their earthly father. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful and true. And and you can see that they've learned from you and maybe inherited from John the servitude um, that you both of you were there teaching kids and coaching and helping others. You both went into helping fields. So um, with or without faith, you still had that uh, servitude in you. And it sounds like these kids have picked that up as well and that they're strong and amazing helpers. Well, kudos to you. You, hmm. you've done, you've done well, Jen, raising these children. I know that it takes an entire oh, it village. It wasn't just me. Yeah. <laughs> takes a village, takes a village it to did. raise a child. And thank goodness for, you know, family and all these close friends and these colleagues and everybody that stepped up to the plate to help you and raise you during this time and help raise these little, little babies that you had. Um, so grateful for all these people. It's amazing. Um, the love that comes out of such tragedy and you know just sometimes you got to sit back instead of thinking about all the things we lost look at all the people we gained and all the beauty that we saw in in these relationships of people giving up their time after school to come help you with your time after school Mm -hmm. Uh, inevitably many of them were probably mothers or fathers as well so um Mm-hmm. Your story has just always been an inspiration all this time, you know, almost 18 years. We're creeping up on this June on your birthday. Um, it just always sits with me in June. I get a heavy heart. I'll never forget that burial of you over the casket crying, saying, I'm not ready to say goodbye. I'm getting choked up again. Uh, <laughs> I think of that every single time I'm at a cemetery. 
I just mm. take myself back to that moment of you and um, wow. And But you know, Case, I, 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 the Bible says that a day on earth, uh, a thousand days on earth is like a, a thousand, what is it? A thousand days, thousand years on earth is like a day in heaven. And I have hope. I have great hope that I know I will be greeted at those gates one day by my mother and my husband. And um, I, there could be no more hope than that. Amen. So I, I live every day by the verse that says to live by faith and not by sight. And we, because the earthly things are temporary, it's the eternal things that, you know, will last forever. Amen. Jen, you, you have been such a great role model and inspiration to so many who will be able to listen to this interview. Um, A lot of us are, are going through difficulty right now during the quarantine as this is being actually taped on April 16th, but it just helps that perspective. Parents that are in their homes right now, frustrated with their kids or frustrated with their spouse, can maybe take a look back and say, wow, I have a spouse and my kids aren't little infants. And there's so many things to be grateful for because of listening to your story. So, and, and your faith is, you know, immeasurable. You, you are definitely a servant of God. And I know that you will be greeted in heaven. Mm-hmm. And you will be meeting your mother and your husband at those gates someday, I do believe. Jen, Mm -hmm. thank you again for being here with us today. Absolutely. You're more than welcome. Today's talking points that we learned from Jen Hanksteller are, God allows us to walk through trials to shape us to who we are designed to be in order to help others. During stressful times, you need to just try to get through each hour by hour and day by day. Live for today as we have no idea what tomorrow brings. Life is about perspective. Someone always has it worse than you. Gratitude and giving thanks helps pull you through difficult times. With adversity comes opportunities. And finally, live by faith, not by sight. Today's gratitude is, if God brings you to it, he will bring you through it. Well, that's it for today's interview. We hope our guest helped you overcome some of your adversity and learn some new resiliency skills to help you to live a more fulfilled life. Keep on dancing and don't stop believing.